Welcome to the Cardo Martin podcast, Building Surveying for Professionals, giving you a detailed and technical view of the world of building surveying. In this episode, we're once again adding to our APC mini-series by chatting with Graham Cardo, chairperson at Cardo Martin, all about the mandatory competencies of the assessment of professional competence. If you aren't familiar with the APC or want to catch up with the series to date, then please check out episode ones and two. There'll be something for everyone interested in the built environment, but it's going to be especially useful for anyone considering becoming chartered, wondering about whether to do building surveying courses at university, and also for those who are already deep in the process of building their submission. Hi, Graham. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's good to be here. Thank you. Join us now for a journey through time and materials as we reveal the mandatory competencies of the APC. So Graham, we'll kick off with what are mandatory competencies? These are personal, interpersonal and professional practice and business skills. For instance, ethics, client care, health and safety and professional conduct. Why do I need to know about accounting and business management? I I don't run a business. It sounds a bit of a waste of my time right now. Well, surveying offers a very good opportunity uh, for ambitious people to to start a business not only that but as you progress in your career you will hopefully be asked to take on the role of someone that that involve is involved in managing the business and accounting skills and business management skills are absolutely key. Uh, If you start a business and you go to your bank the first thing they'll ask for is a business plan and a cash flow and I think good businesses want to involve their staff, not just in their specialist area, but in other aspects of the business. I remember I I went for a a meal at a Michelin star restaurant out in uh, the home counties once. And after the the lunch, I ended up wandering around with my guests around the, the gardens of the of the property, which sounds a bit bizarre, no, but we ended up in the vegetable patch and started chatting to one of the gardeners. And she said that as part of their training and induction to the business, they spend time in every department of the business so they could see how important the product they produced was to the overall finished product in the business. And so if if you don't feel you're involved with those aspects of the business, then ask and uh, ask your manager to get you involved. You worked for a global consultancy before you started Cardo Martin. How did you make that transition? What were the biggest business challenges? So did, did you have other people? Because you, you had two partners. Did, was one of those more business orientated or were you the business guru? Well, when I first started, I started out on my own. I obviously developed the business to the point where I then uh, you know, brought on other partners but no, I, I mean, I, I suppose that's the point I'm trying to make, that uh, I, was, I was naive in terms of my knowledge of business and, and, and what, what I needed to actually make the business work. But very quickly, you realise how important accounting and cash flow is. When you're an employee, you get your paycheck at the end of the month. When you're running your own business or a small business, uh, if, you, if you don't get the money in from your clients, you go out of business. It's as simple as that. And I think the the real benefit of looking at the business stuff is teaching people about commercial way of thinking. So if you've done a sales job, you're already thinking about commission, how it impacts cycles, three, looking three months ahead in order to run your pipeline. And if you're not thinking about the business routine, I guess it can probably damage your overall opportunities to succeed in building domain because you're not thinking about where business comes from, how to do it properly, how to invoice, how to then collect. Would you agree with that? Yes, of course. And, and you know, every time you meet a client, you, you've got to be looking at other opportunities to, to, 
try and do work for them and, and increase the amount of work that you get from them. Obviously doing work to the best possible standards so that you stand out from your competitors and they come back to you rather than trying somebody else. So I guess over the number of years you've been doing building surveying, you've, um, your business acumen has helped you develop lots of relationships and long-term, and that, that's really sustained you through, I suppose, difficult recession periods as well, has it? I think the, you know, the, the, the uh, objective of doing your work to the best possible standard and giving the client the best possible service you can has stood me in very good stead because I still get calls from clients 15, 20 years on that say, you did this work for me, I want to use you again. Now, if you if you haven't stood out from your competitors, they're not going to do that. So uh, it's, it's fundamental, I think, to building a business. So carrying on in that vein, one of the questions is, I don't get involved in managing my business. How can I possibly talk about this in my documents and the interview? Well, I think you will you will be involved in management, maybe not to the extent that you, you think, but you've got to get involved. Um, ask to spend half a day in the accounts department with the team. Ask to see the business plan for the business um, and find out what managing involves from directors and team leaders. Um, and if, if they're reluctant to, to involve you, then you say, look, I'm, I'm trying to get through my APC here. I'm trying to become chartered. I need this kind of information to get through. You've got to help me. I think that's some good advice, particularly at the end. So why is ethics so important for RICS chartered surveyors? Well, behaving ethically is key to being a professional. It distinguishes you from other property professionals. And the five ethics principles promoted by the RICS are to take responsibility, to treat others with respect, to always provide a high standard of service, which we've touched on already, to act with integrity or honesty, and to act in a way that promotes trust in the profession. And I buy into all of those uh, ethics principles. So carrying on on the ethics point, as I'm preparing for the APC, how do I demonstrate I have advised on the ethics to meet level three standard? Well, level three requires you to explain the advice you've given to your clients and provide specific examples. There must be examples of you providing a high standard of service to your clients or of you taking responsibility, possibly in a project, which uh, may have been going wrong and you took control. It may be that you were offered an inducement by a contractor to be included on a tender list. You reported this to your client, which indicates that you are acting in their best interests and that you have integrity. So I think if, if you look and apply those, those five ethics principles uh, to the experience you've had, you will find examples that will, that will serve you well. And I guess you can always talk quite openly with, with team members about their own experiences to be able to isolate what, what sort of ethical situations would count towards this, because I'm guessing surveyors would encounter this quite regularly. I think chatting to other team members and especially uh, surveyors that got more experience, uh, uh, you, can, you can learn a lot uh, and it'll help you focus on the areas that are going to be important in your APC. Okay, thank you, Graham. How can surveyors who work in very small practices learn more about the subjects of the mandatory competencies? Well, I think we've touched on this already, but I mean, you've got to ask questions and get involved. Um, if you feel that there are areas that you're not really getting direct experience of, then you've got to ask to get that experience from 
um, your colleagues by um, requesting that they get you involved in projects where you're able to uh, demonstrate those skills at the APC. What can surveyors in large practices do to learn more about the subjects of the mandatory competencies? Well, I think I think the same answer applies. Really, uh, I, I suppose in a large practice, the, there's the, there's more scope to, to to get involved in these sort of areas. Um, large practices tend to be very organised and uh, uh, and have business plans and all of this sort of thing all, all set up. So uh, I don't think there's a problem in getting that information. You've just got to knock on the door and uh, and be persistent uh, and explain that you need to, to to gain this this experience and knowledge to to succeed in your APC. Having worked in both large and small practices and managed and owned one, do you think that both are equally good and bad at leading candidates through their APC? Or do you think, say, for instance, small practices are better because they, they offer more of the nuances and, and smaller scale opportunities? I think it's difficult to generalise, actually, because, I mean, in the large practices, you, you, you can end up being a, a little bit sort of pigeonholed and, and put into a, a team where you're not getting the, the breadth of experience. Certainly in a small practice, uh, the, there's the there's a scope to get a broad range of experience, but a lot of it will depend upon how proactive the the management uh, company in the company is and your your director or team leader is uh, but i don't think anybody would need to be persuaded of the importance of training their staff uh, to a level which will enable them to become chartered okay that's a good answer thank you what are the assessors going to be looking for in my documents and during the interview well, they're trying to establish that you are competent uh, by asking questions which will display your knowledge, your confidence and competency in a typical uh, client surveyor situation. And how you present yourself and how you answer those questions will influence them greatly. Um, I mean, I've sat on quite a few of the, the APC assessment panels and when the candidate has left the room, uh, the chairman has quite often said, well, I feel that candidate is okay to be let loose uh, uh, on the public, <laughs> and and that that conclusion really is based on the way they presented. We put ourselves in in the situation of a client. If that surveyor um, is answering questions that we've asked as a client, do we feel confident in their advice? Would we would we act on their advice? Would we instruct them again? It's those those sort of responses that are going to help uh, you as a candidate. Going back to the panel then, so you've sat on many a panel over various decades, would, I, would that be correct? I wouldn't say various decades, but I, I've sat on a number of panels, yes. Has it changed noticeably over that time, do you think, from when you last did it to when you first did it? Inevitably, uh, I think uh, the RICS are always improving the the, the, the process, making uh, the, the actual APC more more comprehensive and possibly more fair for the candidates as well. But uh, inevitably, it, it, it has progressed, certainly over the course of my career. Uh, it has absolutely. Has it got harder or easier? Harder. Just like A-level. Yeah. Definitely harder, yeah. Right, that's fantastic. Any final tips for our listeners? Well, in terms of the APC, I think inevitably, after you've only been working a few years, that the extent of your of your knowledge is fairly limited. I mean, I've been working for four decades, and there are still huge areas of construction and property that I don't have good knowledge of. So it's inevitable that you're going to have gaps in your knowledge when questioned. But I think you should 
really concentrate on revising as thoroughly as you possibly can. Whether or not you make notes on your tablet or your phone and refer to those notes on a regular basis or maybe uh, typewritten cards and keep looking at those until you feel more confident. It's important to practice your presentation and it's important to have some mock interviews with some of your colleagues and make them as formal as possible. Obviously, the, the, there are certain things that you should be doing that, that are, are obvious, really, but things like firm handshake shake and good eye contact uh, and uh, maintaining a professional approach to, uh, to the APC. Lovely. Thanks, Graham. You've been tuned into Cardo Martin's Building Surveying for Professionals podcast. Thank you for listening and thank you very much to our guest, Graham Cardo, for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. As always, you too. And sharing his very own tried and tested secrets of the APC. <laughs>